Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college basketball, the MLB, the NBA, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 217. Dual-pronged fun fact today, not only did the Iowa women's basketball team score more points in the first quarter of their Final Four game than the Iowa football team did in eight of its games last season, but Caitlin Clark, star of the Iowa women's basketball team, has scored more points in postseason play than Iowa football scored all season last year. So the Iowa football team scored 230 points, and Caitlin Clark in the postseason this year has scored 265 points. What a wild stat. And that's nine postseason games for Caitlin Clark versus 13 games for the Irish. That's what I was about to ask. So. Good comparison. Good comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's I don't know what that if that says Caitlin Clark is really good or I was really bad at football or both. I think it's both. Probably says both. It definitely says you would rather watch Caitlin Clark than the Iowa football offense. And, and keep in mind, that's like point that counts all the points the defense and special teams score too. That's not just offensive points. That's all the points for Iowa's football team. So, Gross. Yeah. yeah, not good. Not good. Can she play quarterback too? I think she's out of eligibility this year though. Wouldn't hurt over Petrus. <laughs> yeah. But they got the Michigan transfer now too. So. Yeah, because Michigan quarterbacks are come from a great lineage after Matt Tom Brady. Man. I was going to say Tom Brady, I think. Pretty good. Is he? I don't know. He doesn't even play anymore. Didn't even play until he was 46. What a loser. Exactly. So Iowa did end up losing that national championship game, just want to say, to LSU. So, yeah, you know, yay, but also boo because it means Kim Mulkey won it. So boo. Um, I'll leave it at that. I don't want to talk anymore about that game because it's just disgusting all around. Just disgusting. In the men's college basketball world, a little bit of Iowa State news. Former Iowa State basketball player Caleb Grill is in the transfer portal. He does have a year of eligibility left, um, so he could play somewhere. Does he? I don't know. We'll see. It sounds like maybe West Virginia might be interested. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Riot Bowl. And let's be honest, I I do kind of take it back to when I was in school and the time of Press Virginia, but... He, he kind of fits into that mode of just an aggressive physical defender who's going to get in your face and kind of agitate. He makes sense at West Virginia. I feel like Bob Huggins would like him. I would hate it. Yeah. I hope he doesn't do that. Please just go anywhere but the Big 12. I feel like he would get booed. Oh, I'm going to I would boo him. But I feel like it would be less than the Tyrese Hunter situation. It would definitely be less. Yeah, it's a different deal. I mean, like it yeah, wouldn't he, be a boo on every single we also don't know this. We don't know the whole situation still. So, right. Either I don't way, know. He, he did not voluntarily leave Iowa State to go to West Virginia in this case, right? He got kicked off the team and went. He there, picked so West Virginia, did. though. And I mean, I don't support that. The Big Twelve is a great conference. Oh, hasn't picked it yet, right? But if he did, so the other point I'm going to throw out here, just because it's it's a nice, interesting point. There's no guarantee West Virginia comes to Hilton Coliseum next year. Remember, the Big Twelve is bigger next year. We don't play. We don't play home and homes with every next year obviously the schedule is not out that. yet so we don't know, i hate that we're, i, I hate we're not that too playing home and homes with everybody i kind of the, the schedule is just so perfect for 
And I love getting new blood in. I like that we're not getting left behind by the Big Ten and the SEC as much. But for football and basketball, the schedule is just so perfect. And now we won't have it. And I will definitely miss that. Yeah, that that was definitely growing up as a Big Ten fan. That was one of the things I started to miss is the Big Ten expanded. I mean, when I was growing up, the Big Ten had 11 teams. So it wasn't quite as perfect as the Big 12 um, with their 10 teams. Because there was still teams you didn't play twice twice every year so you didn't have to worry about unbalanced schedule not playing your rival at home or the big 12 used to be there though right back yeah. when nebraska yeah. missouri and colorado, colorado and a&m were here so i mean it's nothing new but it's new to we've, grown, we've grown so used to the home and away for basketball the the alternating you're at football. home right if you're at home this year in football you're away next year like we literally knew what the schedule was going to look like every yep. single year. Now we actually don't know what the schedule is going to look like. And rather than strength of schedules being similar, because you're literally playing every single team in your conference where the big 12 was strong this year, next year, there's going to be more aggregate in strength of schedules across yeah, the, the teams in the big 12. So, and I just don't feel like college basketball season for Iowa State will not feel complete if we don't get a home and home with KU like I want it every year that's that's the one team I want to see two times they're always in the top 10 like that's who we compare ourselves to and that's one of the biggest games of the season so I will definitely be sad first year where we don't have that let's just say I don't want to only play KU and Allen Fieldhouse (laughs) yeah in a season those are the games I can get tickets to so that's a benefit but (laughs) Just know, when we're there, I buy tickets pretty much every year to that game at Allen Fieldhouse. When we win there, eventually, I'm going to be there, and I am going to be obnoxious. I'm going to run onto the field, I'm gonna, at the court, I'm going to hug people, I'm going to get taken away by security, it'll be great. I'm not actually going to do that, I don't want to get arrested. So now accepting applications for a fourth podcast host <laughs> uh, for the 8311 cast. If you'd like to submit your application, follow us on Twitter or Instagram and DM us. Don't be like that guy at Dodgers Stadium who, who jumped onto the field in the outfield to propose to his, like, I assume she said yes, fiance. He was just down on one yeah. knee with the wing box and he gets absolutely destroyed. Like the biggest hit stick. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't Nothing says marry me like me trying to commit a felony. Also, I thought the whole point of like getting engaged and getting on a knee is that you're able to present the ring right away. Um, she had to wait for that. <laughs> she had to go to baseball jail to go get it. <laughs> baseball jail. I like that phrase. But uh, anyway, back to men's basketball. Um, also playing in the national championship is San Diego State UConn. Um, San Diego State hit a buzzer beater to beat FAU on Saturday. Um, UConn rolled past Miami. They had that handled um, pretty well. Um, so we'll see the um, borderline blue blood in UConn versus uh, versus the up and coming San Diego State. So that should be a fun game. We'll see how it goes. I think if if UConn wins, I think it'll be like five titles in the last twenty three years or something, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, they're either like, like they either win the national championship or they suck. There's like no in between for UConn. It's not like it's not like Kansas where they're good every year and sometimes win the national championship. Anyway, that game will be Monday night. That's more storied history as of late 
from them than like Kentucky and KU, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like Michigan State, like nobody else is doing that. In other uh, tangentially former Cyclone related news, Tyrese Hunter also uh, declared for the draft, but he is keeping his eligibility open. So we'll see where that goes. But I'd love to not see him next year at Texas. So all power to him. Get to the NBA, my friend. Any other thoughts on college basketball before we move on? Nope. Not really. Let's do it. Let's do it then. Um, it is officially the best season of the year because it is baseball season. The MLB season started on Thursday. Most teams have played three or four games already. Now, before we get into what actually happened, can anybody tell me what the number one rule of opening weekend of baseball is? Do not overreact and do not look at the standings. Yes, Kyle got it. There's no overreacting to opening week of baseball. All right, you can continue to talk about anything else that you want. About. I just wanted to get that out there first. I would, I would like to throw out the best season of the year. Uh, the 8311 cast on Twitter did put out a poll to ask which one would be a national holiday, opening day, Super Bowl Monday, or March Madness Thursday. Uh, MLB only got 8%. Super Bowl Monday got 50%, and March Madness got 42 So popular sentiment seems to like the NFL a little bit more. And by my math, 8% is actually one vote, so I'm going to bet on Mike being that It vote. was actually not me. Oh, okay. I voted, for, I voted for NCAA Tournament Thursday if I could only vote for one. Yeah, I was um, like, it must be Mike. Because, right, there's, there's more activity that day, right? I was disappointed because I went to go watch it after I got home from work and it wasn't on anything that I could stream. So I didn't, it wasn't as exciting for me because I couldn't flip on any game and just watch opening day. Yeah, there's not as, as much national television for it, um, things like that. But I still like it best as, the, as a day. But if you're going to give me a day off work, I'd rather have that Thursday of, of, of March Madness. So. Yeah, I'll take Monday because it's a guaranteed three-day weekend every day, every year. Yeah. I wonder how it would have been different if you would give them the Friday of March Madness instead. Like, it'd be but then that's the two Thursday days to everybody else's one day. Give them just the Friday. Oh, just, just Friday. Just Thursday, though, right? True. I like, was like, same Thursday action, first day. You get the free three-day weekend. Thursday so, ends up being like a holiday anyway because of how little work gets done with everyone <laughs> streaming on their second monitor yes i didn't so. see the estimates this year of how much work was lost but it's always a good amount that first uh two days and, and imagine how much more gets lost on like the west coast and the east coast right on the east coast the games don't start till after lunch right so you get half a day in but on the west coast it's just starting at 9 a.m you get no work done out there. Yeah, that's true. Just get to work and put it on immediately. Uh-huh. That's great. We love that. So I know some people were streaming games opening day, though, for baseball. Um, I unfortunately had meetings scheduled over the entirety of the Royals game on Thursday, so I wasn't able to watch any of that. Uh, not a whole lot to watch there. Um Royals offense didn't score for the first 20 innings of the season. So that's a fun stat. Uh, but overall, so other than that, I did sit down and watch the, the second game of the season for the Royals. Bally sports did get put up a graphic. Uh, so an opening on opening day al- alone, here are these stats compared to 
um, years prior. So average game time from opening day of 2023 was two hours and 45 minutes across every single game that was played that day. On opening day in 2022, for comparison, those game times were three hours and 17 minutes in duration. Uh, Overall, now take this with a grain of salt or, you know, we're looking at a very magnified lens here. Uh, 21 stolen bases in 23 attempts. That, however, is the most on an opening day since 1907. Uh, Most attempts or most stolen? uh, Let me... Let me pull up the graphic and see Sorry. if it actually said that. <laughs> I didn't that. mean to put you on the spot. Probably um, both, but... I would assume both. I was going to say, it, that seems it like a didn't, lot. It didn't say otherwise, so if we're all in agreement here, we're just going to say both. Uh, so, But it's a lot anyway. Um, so that was interesting. Could be a trend throughout the season, but albeit only one, one game. Uh, so or one game for each team to start the season. Overall, 14 pitch clock violations. Uh, Though the breakdown there was eight against the pitchers, four against the batters, one for a base runner, and one for a catcher. So there you have it. There's how the rules are impacting the game so far this season. I, I blanked on who it is, but I do like that somebody got called out on a clock violation, literally opening day, a batter got called out on a pitch clock violation. And I thought that was pretty funny to be the first guy to ever do it. And it was literally the first day the rule was implemented. Yeah. It's just weird to see the pitcher bringing in the first pitch of the at bat. And it's already an Oh one count or like a one Oh count. It's weird to see. It's like, did I miss something? No. So there are a few hand signals that I've seen from some umpires, but uh that i am not familiar with so i'll have to try and learn those going through the season but one thing that was actually interesting uh they were talking about on the broadcast of the royals game how umpires will save over 80 hours of standing on the field this season or projected just by the amount of game time length and duration we're seeing currently 70 hours of them not like having to stay or reduction in standing throughout the season, which is pretty significant. Uh, but also the umpires were talking about how on and just cued in and dialed in. They have to be throughout the entirety of the game now, right? They are the ones managing everything. They're managing the pitch clock. They are managing our warmups going quick enough. Our, uh, warm-ups in between innings going quick enough? Or are the teams getting out of the dugout fast enough? Are the Bat Boys going... Like, M- MLB is literally evaluating Bat Boys. They literally don't get a break at all during the during the game. So, yeah, the game time should be reduced. And, and I think they... the On the broadcast, they said they asked one of the umpires, they were like, how, how did it feel to you? And he was like, well, by the eighth inning, I di- didn't even realize that the game was only like two hours long. Because it just goes by so fast when they are having to like be a micromanager over literally every aspect of that game. So could be pretty draining on some of the umpires this season until they get into a good rhythm of it. So, yeah. I mean, so far, um, I still have to adjust a little bit to the pitch clock. I'm used to the rhythm of how long I can look away from the game to do something <laughs> else in between pitches. And I've now got to adjust that rhythm. I noticed that both um, Thursday and today 
Um, it was like, I kept missing pitches because I was used to, oh, okay, there was a pitch. I have 30 seconds. I can eat some food, turn back around. Oh, no, I just missed a pitch. I can't do that. Um, so it's going to take some getting used to. Um, but I'm so far, I'm in favor of it. Those The games haven't felt rushed to me. So I, I, I am so far in favor of it. Um, the other thing that I, I heard um, that they're thinking from the pitch clock is that it's actually going to reduce player injuries. For a similar thing you mentioned about the umpires, they're just going to be out in the field less, on their feet less, in the sun less, right? We'll see if it actually reduces injuries or not, but I could see how theoretically some of the wear and tear on knees and hips and whatnot that might wear down towards the end of the year could be saved. I mean, Salvador Perez said he might be able to catch, you know, an extra 10 to 14 games this season compared to last year. They're just shorter on his knees, right? If it's half an hour less per game on his knees, well, 15 minutes, right? If you split field time in half, right? That in the end, that adds up to an extra game every easily an hour a week. Yeah, one out of every eight games that he sent, or 10 games that he saves. So, yeah. Yeah, so far I like it. I don't know about everybody else, but so far I have no complaints about about that. Do we have any like uh, data on ratings so far of this season compared to last season? Have those been published so far? It's so hard to look at ratings of indiv- individual MLB regular season games. We'll start to hear more when we get to some of the actual national broadcasts, um, but local MLB team ratings from game to game aren't really published or talked about. And one thing that's harder to quantify by stats so far this season, I haven't sat down and watched an entire game front to back yet, but I know you guys have. Have you noticed anything as far as the one big rule that hasn't been mentioned is the shifts and the banning of the shift? Has there been any noticeable difference in that and how people are playing or hitting there that you've seen yet? I I haven't seen any violations. We'll start there. And I will say that the Royals are at least grounding into the same number of double plays this year as they were last year. So uh, good for them. Well, so right? Did you you said you weren't watching? Did you see what the the Royals in Joey Gallo's first at bat on opening day brought the right fielder MJ Melendez in from right field to basically stand where the shifted second baseman would have been standing? So they were playing yep. like a left center fielder, a right center fielder. And then MJ Melendez was at deep second base. And Joey Gallo hit a ground ball right to him. And because he's an outfielder, he didn't know what to do with it. And he bobbled it and dropped it. <laughs> well, he's also not really an outfielder no, he's because a catcher, he's a yeah. catcher who's playing outfield. So I think they only did that the once all series that I saw. Um, it helped that Joey Gallo put two balls because in Because you have an today. outfielder trying to play infielder doesn't always work yeah um so yeah the shift to me it's been to me it's been noticeable just because i've been looking for it i can think oh that ball probably would have been an out before because there would have been a guy standing right up the middle right or that ball might have been a hit last time because the second baseman wouldn't have been on that side of the base you know but it hasn't. I haven't seen any big effects of it, if if that makes sense. So, gotcha. I haven't missed it. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I still don't know if I like the rule change, but I certainly haven't missed the shift by any means. And the Twins benefited from a lot of ground balls this weekend. So, 
Yeah. Hit them where they ground ain't. ball double plays. Hit them where they ain't. That's the that's the motto. Any other thoughts on the opening weekend of MLB? I mean, the only other thought to mention is the uh, collective bargaining agreement for minor league baseball. We won't delve into that entirely here, but they did um, agree to some what standards of pay across minor league baseball. Is that right, Mike? Yeah, I didn't read all the details. I saw it happen, but I didn't get a chance to read any of it. So maybe that's something we'll address um, once we get through the NHL NBA playoffs here when we have a little bit more time to discuss it. Yeah. But good to mention. But first, sure. first overall uh, collective bargaining agreement for minor league baseball players. So there you have it. I think that's pretty much all we have for the MLB. And something that we've neglected for a while due to Major League Baseball is the NBA. And it's certainly still rolling along. But Ariane, can you help show us how things are shaking out as we make a huge push towards the postseason? Yeah, it's been a while since we've really talked about it with, you know, just the length of the season and talking about football and basketball in college. Obviously, we get a little more in-depth with Cyclone stuff. So now that that is over, uh, the end of the NBA regular season is on April 9th. So we basically have one week left. Uh, most teams have about four games left of the season. So I'm just going to get you up to date uh, next week. Uh, depending on when we record, the season will either be over Oh, yeah, it'll just be over, basically, depending on when the games are. So we'll give you a little bit more of an updated picture then. But I'm just going to get you ready for what to see in the last week of the season. Technically, by the numbers, only five teams are eliminated from the playoffs currently. And that is the Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Hornets, and the Pistons. Uh, There are some more that definitely aren't going to make it, but that's fine. Um, Eight teams mathematically have locked it into the playoffs. Uh, that is the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers, the Cavaliers, and the Raptors, although the Raptors are technically just locked into a play-in spot, playoff spot. Um, most teams, like I said, have about four games left. Uh, there are some that might have five. Uh, but in the East, it's pretty much set who's going to be in the top ten there. Everybody else is either out of the picture or not really looking to be in the picture. So you got the Bucks, Celtics, Sixers, Cavs, Knicks, Nets, Heat, Raptors, Hawks, and Bulls. And I would bet on that being your final standing in some form or fashion as well. Um, either the Bucks or the Celtics are going to end up being the one seed. Uh, the top four pretty much set. After that, though, you're going to see a little bit of jockeying and shifting around for the spots from five to ten. Uh, the Nets could potentially slide into the play-in. They've been an interesting team since they traded off Kyrie and KD at the deadline. Their team is just kind of an odd mishmash of players and role players. And the Heat could potentially move up into that spot. But uh, that spot that the Nets are in right now is that six seed, which is very important because the six to seven uh, is either the play-in or the playoff. So if you're in that six seed, you don't have to be in the play-in and play a game. If you're in the seventh seed, then you have to play the eighth seed and win. Or if you lose that game, then you go play the winner of the nine ten or the lose. Yeah, the winner of the nine ten game. Excuse me. Uh, the Western Conference is a little bit more cluttered as it has been all season. Uh, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, and the Kings could all potentially still get that one seed. Although 
I would bet on it being the Nuggets still. Um, and then you have the current four seed, which is the Phoenix Suns, and the current 12 seed, which is the, uh, the Utah Jazz. Those teams are separated by six and a half games total. So still pretty close in the middle. So there could be any variety and combination of people in these last playoff slash play in spots. Really, the only people in the West who you are not looking at are the three teams that are actually eliminated already in the Blazers, Spurs and Rockets. We're just looking to get that sweet, sweet Wimbenyama pick in the in the lottery. Um, the Dallas Mavericks are currently a game out of the play in not the playoff, but the play in. This would be a massive disaster considering that they have a consensus top five, maybe even top three pick in the NBA playing on their team in Luka Doncic. And they traded for Kyrie at the deadline. Um, just thinking back on some wise man who talked about this deal when it happened that said, I don't understand why you made this deal and it's not going to work. Uh, spoiler alert, it was me. Uh, I was talking to Kyle before we started recording and he said, nothing has ever gotten better when you add Kyrie to it, and I would tend to agree with you. Um, the Lakers have been pretty strong since their trades on the opposite side of the Mavericks, and they're getting healthier. They're currently one game out of the playoffs, so that final sixth spot, um, and they have LeBron back recently. So it'll be interesting to see them down the stretch. There are a lot of different teams that look very different coming into it and may look different going into the playoffs. In the West, injuries and absences have kind of defined all of these teams this year. Just looking down the standings, one through whatever, all the way down, I was just making a list of all these teams and all the injuries they've had. The Grizzlies are currently missing Steve Adams and Brandon Clark. They started the year without Jaron Jackson Jr., and they've lost some games to some extracurricular drama with John Morant. So obviously they haven't been full this entire season. The Suns haven't been healthy most of the time since they traded for Kevin Durant. The Warriors have had a litany of injuries throughout the year, including to Stephen Curry for a while, and Andrew Wiggins has been absent for most of the year with personal issues. Uh, the Clippers, big surprise. They have Kawhi Leonard on their team, have had injuries, and PG is currently out. Paul George maybe will play by the start of the playoffs, but they do not know yet. The Pelicans haven't had Zion for what feels like forever. He's always injured. Jose Alvarado has been out. Brandon Ingram's been out. Herb Jones has been out. They've been ravaged by injuries. This was a team that people thought might end up a top five seed, and they just have not had good injury luck at all this year. The Lakers have lost time both from LeBron and Anthony Davis, which is to be expected considering Anthony Davis is made of glass and LeBron is about 3,000 at this point in sports years. Um, as well as when after they acquired, acquired D'Angelo Russell, he had a little injury as well. The Timberwolves are basically a cursed franchise. Um, big surprise. Uh, they haven't had Carl Anthony Towns basically the entire year. Um, and they just got him back. And what do you know, Nas Reed breaks his wrist. So they're still not full. And they also basically got the plague and everyone was sick last week. They were Talks about people just throwing up at halftime and before games and laying in tunnels and all sorts of crazy stuff. I don't know if you heard anything else about that, Mike, but it seemed like everybody was pretty miserable this week as far as being some type of flu or sickness. 
I didn't hear a ton about it. I really, I, I didn't watch the start of that game because it overlapped. I can't remember if it overlapped with the Wild game or a Twins game. Um, and the NBA is like sport three for me this time of year. Um, no offense to it, um, but, but yeah, I, I turned the game on partway through, um, and it was like, yeah, and the Wolves are missing X, Y, and Z, and I was like, they finally got healthy. What do you, what happened to all these guys? So yeah, it was a stomach, a non-COVID stomach bug went through the locker room. I don't know if it was a stomach flu or some food poisoning that, you know, whoever picked meal X on the plane got it and whoever picked meal Y didn't, but. I was going to say, whenever they went to Nobu or whatever, when they were in LA, apparently that did not agree with them. So mm-hmm. definitely a big deal there, but a lot of moving parts in the West. It'll definitely be interesting expected to come down to the last day there and people be fighting for seating so those last couple days of the nba are going to be pretty exciting friday saturday sunday for that um and also a theme here a new cba was agreed to for the nba as well but we will put that off for the time being we might talk about it in the off season obviously we're going to jump on the playoffs here and we'll probably be talking about that but there are some big changes um including an off an, an in-season tournament and uh, some interesting limits on games played for end-of-year awards. But we'll get into that a little bit later. That's all I have. Do you guys have any thoughts, comments, questions on the NBA? I know I just unloaded a ton of information. Snuck up on me here a little bit. I thought they had, like, another week after this, too. Yeah, when are the NHL playoffs starting? Uh, The NHL basically has another week. I was going to say, they're pretty much identical seasons, the NBA and the NHL. Yeah, the the NHL has got one more week in here. My app is spinning as it tries to load. But yeah, the end of the NHL season is like the 14th or 15th of April. So just under a week more than the NBA. So, And then the playoffs, I think, for the NHL, I can't remember. One of them takes a little bit longer. Can't remember which one. I think the NHL, but I'm not sure. I remember complaining about how long the NBA was last year. <laughs> Yeah. We'll, of course, fill you in on the NHL and NBA playoffs when they roll around here over the next couple of weeks. Ariane will give us all the seedings on next week's episode, I imagine. So. Yep. Awesome. Thank you very much. Moving on then to our signature segments, starting with Mike's Stupid Rules. Um, I'm being honest here. I didn't have a rule when we sat down to this episode. So I literally just opened up my copy of the baseball rule book. And I started um, scrolling through it, looking for something interesting. And I actually found it on page five. So I didn't have to scroll very far. Um, And what we're going to go is we're going to go on rule 3.01 and the comment on rule 3.01. Rule 3.01 talks about the baseball. Um, And the comment on the baseball is that um, should a ball come partially apart in game, it is in play until the play is completed. So if you knock the cover off the ball, which is a saying, but you know it can happen, that ball's in play. The defense has to figure out how to deal with that ball. That ball is in play um, to finish out the play. Um, I can imagine that would be tough if you hit it to the outfield and they got to try to throw a baseball that's partially unwound back into the infield. You might be able to take an extra base there. Um, but but that is your rule. 3.01 comment. If a ball comes partially apart in play, it is in play until the end of the play. I did not know that. I figured it would be 
a dead ball and they'd have to do something about it. But it is in play. So so if it comes completely out of the casing, right, the leather comes all the way off the ball and it's just the core. If I throw the, the core of the ball and I just have the leather, how does that? The, the core of the ball is what is in play. Okay, so I just got the loose baseball skin there in the outfield with me and it doesn't matter, okay? Correct. That will be fun to see. Yeah, it would be tougher for it to come all the way off. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen that in a major league game. Um, right because you'd have to you'd have to lose the winding in multiple places instead of just two one or two so that would be tough but i mean it could with the things mlb's doing with the baseball recently maybe they'll uh or they're denying doing with the baseball recently as it may be uh, maybe the next thing they're gonna do is make ones that come unwound easier that would add some excitement to the game wouldn't it it would any questions, comments on that rule? Sounds like there are none. So that we will move us into our write that down predictions and their accountability session. And I believe it was a absolutely, um, yep, it was just, just a completely wrong, wrong, everything's wrong, like normal. We're, we're just wrong. We're bad, very bad. Um, first wrong prediction was Arian, who predicted three out of the four of our respective MLB teams would win their opening day game. Um, the Twins won, the Royals lost, the Cubs beat the Brewers, but the Cardinals lost. I believe they lost, They blew the game in the ninth inning against the who are they who are they playing? Who do they play? Blue this Jays. Week? The Blue Jays. That's what I thought. Um, if I go back to Thursday, look at that box score. It was a ten nine like Blue Jays game. Yeah. Toronto scored one in the seventh, two in the eighth, and two in the ninth to win 10 to nine. So bad Cardinals bullpen cost Ari on this prediction. So, nah. Nah, nah. Um, I predicted that one of the host's regular brackets would do worse than a coin flip bracket. Um, the pool isn't over yet, of course. The national championship game still has yet to be played. But um, all of our coin flip and regular brackets are uh, maxed out. Wyatt did the worst of the four of us, but he was still better than the best coin flip bracket. So I get a nah. Nah, nah. Wyatt, you predicted that I would have the worst bracket predictions out of the hosts. Um, I was third worst, but you were worse than me. So nah. Nah. Arian, you predicted that two five seeds would play in the national championship. It is just one five seed San Diego State against four seed UConn. So, nah. Nah. And Josh predicted FAU would win the tournament. They fell on a buzzer beater to San Diego State, as I mentioned earlier. So, Josh gets a nah. 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 That, that is it for our accountability session. So, getting stuff back on the board. Um, I'm going to predict with fantasy baseball season starting, at least two of our hosts make the fantasy baseball playoff. Ten teams or playoff teams. Four playoff teams? Yes. Well, one of those is already going to be occupied by Pencil Neck Geeks. Was that your cousin, uncle? My uncle, yeah. Um... For what it's worth, as of right now, ESPN gives 
Um, Ariana, 39% chance to make the playoffs. Kyle, a 39% chance to make the playoffs. Wyatt, a 39% chance to make the playoffs. And me, a 41% chance to make the playoffs. Single. I give it a single. I yeah. feel confident at least two of us cannot suck. Two things that have less than, right? That, yeah, fine. I won't argue. I just believe in us, you know? Although I will say for this league, it has a lot less of a chance of just people giving up in the middle of the season, which happens in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I would imagine at most two people in this league are going to give up. At most. I'm going to try my best. That doesn't mean I won't suck. I'm trying my best, but my pitching is already rough. Same. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot. It's a lot. You can't overreact can't to the overreact. first weekend of fantasy I know. baseball. Either. I know. <laughs> when are when are we allowed to look at the standings in fantasy baseball? You can look at the fantasy Memorial baseball Day? standings whenever you want because oh. the because there's less games, right? So okay, they actually, cool. the games and the standings matter more. Um. So yeah. Yeah, I drafted Justin Verlander, and then all of a sudden, whoop, injury. Yeah. Love oh, that. Bar. So that's a single. Do we have anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? He is still alive. Um, he got sick of picking a national champion and having them lose immediately. So he's just going to take this week off and take the strikeout. Why doesn't he just pick one and then place money on the other team? Because he knows they'll win. Then. I was, that's what I was going to do. Right? I don't know. He, he took the strikeout. Take that up with him. I'm just the messenger. I'm trying to Sounds make some good. money here. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll go ahead and put a prediction up that says I am not dead last in the fantasy baseball league at the end of the season. My what guess, are the odds that you give up? Yeah, I don't know. Are you going to give up? I don't think so. See, this is one of those ones where he can affect it himself if he wanted. Well, yeah, I could. But it's a long season. Six weeks in, he could just be like, yeah, I'm done. I will say basketball this year is the first time I've not given up on basketball. Well, I gave up on basketball last week after I lost a mic. Well, oh, yeah, but you were like Kyle third place. But also, yeah. Ariane, what am I supposed to do? Like you scored like twice what you're supposed to score in a regular week this week. Like I'm having a good week and you're just <laughs> killing me. Well, I don't know like, if you saw last week. Me and Kyle were going at it and had like yeah. 400 more points than anybody else in the league. It felt like. Yeah, I'm having like. The normal winning score for a week of fantasy basketball is like 850. I've scored no, 1,080 it's, it's points. It's like 950. I, I've scored 1,080 points, and I'm still down by 200. <laughs> what that can sucks I say? for you. Sorry. I'm doing my best. Our, I literally said Ariane and I's game was the de facto championship game, and that's, that's honestly what it is. Yeah, we anyway, had a little AFC baseball, championship yeah. game. Yep. Yeah. Mike would much rather be playing me right now. Back to the prediction. Uh, this one's a hard one. You're Boy. not dead last. I kind of want to say single. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anytime I've bet against Wyatt in this year for fantasy, he's proved me wrong. So I guess yeah, I'll just true. assume Wyatt's good at fantasy now. I yeah. will say that's rare. If it that's the weird. case, then that's news to me. Yeah, I, I want to say single. I'm okay with that. There's so many other spots you could finish. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's uh, nine other spots, actually, I could finish, I believe. Ooh, exciting. Uh, numbers. What do you got, Kyle? Uh, I am going to say that UConn wins by double digits tomorrow night. 
Double digits. Okay. They are they are favored by seven and a half. Oh so wow. Is this That's a more than I would have thought. Double. Double. Not a single. I agree. I agree. Uh, I would be more inclined for a I was torn. I was torn, so I'm fine with a double. That's more than I thought they would be favored by, to be honest. Me too. I would have thought it would be four and a half. Sounds like you need to bet on San Diego State then. Just the under? That was a weird game. The the FAU-SDSU game was hard. Yeah, that was an interesting How do you take that performance versus UConn? Yeah. Uh, anyway, double either way. The, you know, what do you got, Ryan? All right, I am also going to make a prediction for the beginning of fantasy baseball. All four podcast hosts, uh, not including Josh, so just Mike, Wyatt, Kyle, and myself, will end with a winning fantasy base- baseball record. Um, I thought about including five hundred on here, but I just. Just chose winning. How many? I mean, wait, how many weeks are there? Is it an odd question. number of weeks? Like nineteen, probably. Let me look at the exact number. If my phone doesn't die here before I get there, there are. Oh, why doesn't it tell me? I have to count. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Odd number of weeks. Okay, so that takes out the tie aspect. All four of us, though. I'm thinking this is a triple. Probably, man. Um. Why it might give up? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I would be the most likely out of us four to give up. That's true. And you're well, bad at influence two too, predictions. I have been good at fantasy baseball all of maybe one time. I usually suck. I'm saying triple. Yeah, that's probably good. I am okay with that. So with a strikeout, a single. Two singles, a double and a triple. That concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 217. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311Cast on both Instagram and Twitter. Signing off for the 8311Cast, we're your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. Ariane Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones!